Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy. This is day three, talking about the uh, new Old Paths Conference coming up in Florida. And today uh, we have Pastor Boyle, of course, with me again, but also Pastor Tim DeVries, who pastors in Kentucky. He was a guest on the program uh, not too long ago. If you haven't seen that episode, make sure you check that out. It was a great episode, but we are uh, excited to have him today. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about the conference. So uh, Pastor DeVries, if you want to just go ahead and start out and tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, your ministry again, and then the subject that you are going to be covering at the conference. All right. Well, my name is Tim DeVries. I'm the pastor here at Vision Valley Baptist Church in Mount Washington, Kentucky. And uh, I'll be preaching on the subject, Who is Israel? Uh, had a, an evangelist one time. Uh, he asked me, he said, don't you support Israel? Um, and I asked him, I said, well, which Israel are you talking about? And biblically, it's so important to know who the people of God are, who the elect are. And I'm, I'm very excited to have the opportunity. I appreciate Pastor Boyle giving me that opportunity to preach at the new Old Paths Conference. And uh, so uh, just very excited to be able to get Bible truth out to folks. And uh, my challenge, as with the last podcast uh, that you did, Brother Tommy, and thank you, by the way, for hosting this, um, my challenge to everyone uh, who is looking, who is searching, is just to take whatever's preached at this conference, as you should do with any preaching, as you should do with any teaching, and uh, lay aside your prophecy books, lay aside your charts, and just pull out your Bible and see if the things that are being preached, if the things that are being taught, match up with what God's word actually has to say. Uh, my challenge is that we would all be uh, those Acts 1711 Christians, those Berean Christians uh, who are more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they receive the word with all readiness of mind. And then they didn't just do that. They searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And I believe anyone with a sincere heart uh, wanting to know the will of God, wanting to know the word of God. I believe uh, folks will come to the same conclusions that we have as we've dug into the word of God. And uh, certainly this is what we're going to be preaching and teaching is nothing new. It's just the old good. I shouldn't say old. It's really the timeless word of God. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to the most in this conference is, is just being around a lot of like-minded folks um, you know, I've been around a lot of like-minded folks most of my ministry as far as soul winning, as far as standards and separation and good godly music and holiness of life. Uh, but it's been more recently these other topics that I've rejoiced to find friends who, uh, who do believe exactly what I believe regarding the Word of God, uh, what the Word of God says about Israel, about end times, uh, about dispensationalism. Um, just I'm very thankful to get to meet many friends uh, here very soon uh, who I believe are probably like minded. Uh, we're, we're all independent, uh, so we're not going to agree on 100 percent of anything. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't agree with myself 100 percent of the time. I change my mind sometimes, but uh, I, I really am looking forward to meeting folks who are uh, what I understand from what I hear in the preaching and the teaching like minded. And again, my challenge for anyone with any of these topics is uh, just put it to the test. Truth is not afraid of an examination. Truth is not afraid to be tested. So I encourage you to put these truths that are being preached to the test. So very, very excited about this conference. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So Pastor Boyle, go ahead. I don't think we covered this in the last one, but remind everybody again, the dates and uh, times and all that kind of stuff for the conference. Sure. Well, thank you for having me again. And Pastor DeVries, it's good to connect with you uh, via the uh, stream here. Uh, I actually met you or heard of you through the podcast or uh, episode you did with Pastor McMurtry a while back. And I'm like, wow, we've got another like-minded believer out there. And then I started <clears throat> following your channel, listening to your preaching. And I heard the one message that you preached. And I thought, man, this is what we will be focusing on in our conference and that's how the invitation was extended. So I'm, I'm encouraged to, to know that beyond my uh, list of pastor friends, there are other pastors out there that hold these views. And this is kind of a conference designed to just kind of bring us all together, 
yet stay independent. I like what you brought out. We're all independent. No one's trying to make anyone conform to any of our, our, our doctrinal positions. We're just coming together in the areas we agree. And we're finding as we get to know each other better, more and more areas. And so I'm excited that this conference kind of sets that platform. It's January 24th through the 28th, which is a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it'll start Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. And we'll have back-to-back -back sermons, uh, two preachers uh, lined up for Wednesday evening. And then Thursday morning, we're going to have morning services with a couple preachers, some question and answers, and then we'll have lunch, and then we'll have an evening service with back-to-back -back sermons. And then Friday will be the same schedule, morning services, lunch, evening services, Saturday, we'll have soul winning and a free day for our speakers that are sticking around. Uh, they can maybe have some Florida experiences uh, or many of our speakers may be traveling back at that point. And then Sunday, it'll be morning and evening, all focusing on the conference and kind of closing out. Uh, so we're excited. There's a great preacher lineup. One of those is Pastor DeVries, who I've never met. This is kind of our first time um, even really meeting each other face-to-face uh, -face via the, the, the internet here. Uh, but I look forward to the friendship that's going to be started. And uh, Pastor DeVries, you brought out a good point. They received with all readiness of mind before they searched the scriptures. So something they had never heard, if it's in the Bible, if someone is producing biblical evidence of it, hey, I've never heard it that way. I've never studied it, but I'm willing to hear you out. Then they went home to search the scriptures to see whether it was so. Unfortunately, many people in the independent fundamental circles have made the same mistake Catholics make, Presbyterians make, and Methodists make. And that is, we believe it because we've always believed it, and it, therefore it must be true. And they never examine it by way of scripture. And so you had made a statement, Pastor DeVries, truth doesn't fear examination. And I 100% agree with that. Um, you know, just come and let it, let it, let the scriptures speak. You might hear something you've never heard of, but then go home and search it out. And, you know, put confidence in the Holy Spirit that if he shows you what, we're see, what, we, what we believe is wrong, well, follow the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we do have confidence that, you know, we were on that same journey and the Holy Spirit led us into where we are today. Nothing new. It's all timeless truths as, as was brought out. And so that's kind of the conference in a nutshell. Many topics are going to be covered. Pastor DeVries will be covering that of who is Israel. And uh, you can actually get a sneak peek if you'd like and go on to his church YouTube channel. He's preached several messages already on that subject and done an excellent job. Yeah, and I have link. I've been putting links in the description on these videos to the different pastors' channels. So make sure everybody goes and check those out. Subscribe, uh, watch their sermons. But yeah, I, I like Pastor DeVries. I like what you said too about just being around like-minded people. You know, obviously, well, I don't think any of us have trouble getting along with people who disagree with us. You know, because people are often very divisive over this. We're often kind of made to feel like outsiders at these conferences, and so. There's a lot of cringe moments that we have. And, you know, I've, I've sat in many meetings where I just, you know, you do, you do, you cringe, right? But it is exciting when you get to go to a conference like this, where you're not going to be having all these cringe moments, you know, where you're not the weird one. Uh, you know, you are, you're around other people that are like you and it's, it's very encouraging. And, you know, and it's really encouraging too, uh, people who have been to conferences like this um, who, uh, don't have a lot of that support around them that they're, maybe they're not able to go to a church that believes it way this way. It's always encouraging for them. And, uh, I'm hoping to, to find out about, you know, more of those preachers that are out there that believe this way. Maybe they're feeling alone. Um, you know, come, you know, come join us, you know, let us, let us find out about you. We all like support fellowship. I think it's, a, I think it's a great thing. It means a lot to me anyway. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. you, you I, I was going to just kind of jump in on that mm -hmm. if I could. Um, that's one of the things I'm enjoy I look forward to most is the fellowship that we're going to enjoy. Um, because prior to Revival Baptist Church, you know, I, when trying to figure out where I was going to go, what I was going to do, you feel alone. There was, I had no circle of friends. 
And you never want to pick doctrine based on friends. You never want to do that. Um, you know, and then we kind of covered that yesterday in the fact that there's that fear that they, they would, they would kind of hold over your head. Well, if you don't believe these things, you're probably not independent fundamental Baptist when none of these doctrines are Baptist distinctives. They're, none of those are qualifying doctrines to determine whether you're an independent fundamental Baptist or not. They're not in the fundamentals. They're not in the seven Baptist distinctives, but they somehow magnify those. And I remember longing for friendship. And, you know, I met you, Pastor Murphy, uh, through a phone call, I believe it was. And then, you know, we've enjoyed a great friendship through the years. And, you know, I, I can't help but think there's other pastors out there um, that, you know, they're just longing for that friendship. And unfortunately, in the independent fundamental circles, oftentimes, if you are friends with one, you can't be friends with the others. And this conference is not making up a team. It's not creating a side. We're not creating some club. We're just going to, you know, it's going to be an annual conference where we can just come together. Independent works from wherever you are. Come, enjoy some fellowship, iron sharpening iron. And then we go back. No one's monitoring each other's channels and figuring out what you're preaching and what you're not preaching. We're independent pastors just coming together, have a good friendship. That's why the invitation is open to anyone. Come enjoy some good friendship. Uh, you know, some fellowship, even if you're not like-minded on these issues, just come and hear us out. You know, obviously we don't want you to come and bring a condescending spirit, but come sit and enjoy. And I think you're going to find a warm handshake and some good Christian fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. So Pastor DeVries, your subject, you know, being Zionism, um, what's been your experience in the last few months? Ever since October 7th, um, there has been a major uptick in the you know, typical Zionist rhetoric where a lot of people who normally don't bring it up that much. Now they're bringing it up. I, I know of several churches that have had prophecy conferences specifically because of this. So, um, have, have you received any increase in hostility as a result of all this, or has some of the craziness being preached in the name of Zionism, you know, caused more people to maybe like, Hey, you know, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I would say that um, what I've had is very well-meaning, sincere people, God's people, who for years have heard, hey, the modern-day nation of Israel, they are the people of God, uh, that when I preach what the Bible says uh, very clearly, uh, that at first, in fact, I had someone, when I started uh, the series, the series I started, the message was, uh, some Israelis are the people of God. And I said, you know, you could plug any nation of the world into that title and it'd be correct. Some Americans are the people of God. Some Canadians are the people of God. And uh, I started sermon number one saying, listen, I had to cut out verses. This is very easy to prove from scripture. Uh, I've had to cut out verses, but I'm starting with, I think it was 205 verses in my sermon outline. And uh, I said, so this is going to take a few weeks. And I think it took three to four weeks to get through that one message. Uh, but what I found is people who had all their lives heard the modern day nation of Israel is the people of God. Their first response uh, was an emotional response because of the tragedy that the, the horrible things going on in the Middle East. I mean, no, nobody should be rooting for those things to happen. Those are terrible things going on uh, between the modern day nation of Israel and the folks in Gaza. I mean, it's just horrible what's going on there. Um, so the first response was more of an emotional response, but then uh, people who are sincere, they don't they don't want uh, just what they feel. They don't want just what culture is telling them. They truly want what God's word says. And so I even had one person tell me, they said, you know, I don't want you to be right, but everything you've said is from the Bible and it is right. And, and um, you know, I made very clear from the beginning, uh, I love the modern day nation of Israel. I want every one of them to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want them to trust Christ as Savior. I want every person in Gaza to come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. You know, we are all of one blood and he is the Savior for the world. And so uh, this has nothing to do with being against the modern day nation of Israel. I want them saved. Um, but that being said, we need to see clearly what the Bible says, who is Israel. It, it's a disservice 
to the people of the modern day nation of Israel to make them think they have some special covenant with God and that they can come to God some other way than through the only Messiah, the only Christ, the Lord Jesus. And so uh, that's why this topic is so important. And, and to answer your original question, I found that sincere people, when they see what God's word has to say, um, they're, they're actually excited to realize, hey, I, I'm one of the people of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what my physical nation is. Uh, so in the, in the long run, truth prevails for those who love truth. And so that's been my experience recently. That's good. Well, yeah. And one of the things too, um, about this subject, you know, because we genuinely care about Israel and, you know, love their souls. We also understand too, that anytime they advance their agenda, it actually takes them farther away from Christ because what is their agenda? You know, they do want complete control of the land. They want the temple mount. They want to rebuild a temple. All these things that they are, are shooting for is taking them away from Christ. I wish they would just forget about the land. You know, I wish they would just, they, they don't need Jerusalem. And, but uh, I, I wish the Muslims would do the same thing. I wish they would just, I wish one side or either side, I don't care which one, would just say, you can have it all. We're getting out of here because I think it's a stumbling block. Last year when I was over there, um, I after I came home, I preached a sermon called Jerusalem, a city in bondage. And we see that Christians, Jews, and Muslims, and I use that term Christian, I'm including Catholics and stuff in there, but they use that city as a way to just kind of put people under this, you know, re these religious systems that take people away from salvation. And the one thing all groups have in common is they're all in bondage. And uh, I think that's terrible. And so uh, I, uh, I, while I support Jews right to live and survive and all that kind of stuff, and I don't want to see them die, uh, I don't want to support them in an agenda that I think is going to take them away from Christ. And so I just think it's all sad. Yeah, I think I think um, one of the problems is is in Zionism, they put you know the Jews' uh, cultures and religion and worldview. They put it as if it's God's, like these are God's people and this is God's territory, and they're they're you know they're enforcing God's agenda, and and we would never look at any other false religion like that look at catholicism look at the orthodox look at you know communism you know you you have the chinese and look at the religions and the pagans in africa no one would ever dare say that those are god's agenda they would say those people need to hear about jesus christ and nobody would say you're anti-chinese because you believe that they have false religion no one would say you're anti, you know, Africans because you think those totem poles they're praying to are wicked. But somehow when we speak against the Jewish religion, when we speak against their wickedness and the fact that they reject Christ, we become anti-Semitic. And that is not at all it. We are preaching Christ and Christ is the answer for the Jews. Christ is the answer for the world. And so... I think when when dispensationalists or Zionists control the narrative, they 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 make it look as if we're anti-Semitic when that is not at all the case. We're saying that the Jews need to hear the gospel and they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like any religion, any religion that rejects Christ as the Messiah, it's a false religion and they need to hear the truth. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, yeah, I think one of the reasons we need this conference too, and people need to talk about prophecy. I've listened to independent fundamental King James only Baptists that have preached that we must support Israel getting the land because they are teaching that for the Messiah to come as we are looking for him, for those prophecies to be fulfilled, they must have the land. And so it's like, so it's, it's their eschatology that's driving a lot of this support and it is a very flawed eschatology for sure yeah well the scripture makes it clear that they did have their land 
a long time ago, and they didn't do what God told them to do. They didn't drive out the inhabitants. They intermarried. And I think this is important to realize, too. Um, I, I think folks assume the modern-day nation of Israel that calling everyone there a Jew is correct when it really is not. The modern-day nation of Israel is you know, about a fifth Muslim, for one thing. Um, many of those who claim some kind of Jewish heritage, which we know, if you want to be literal with it, it we're talking about the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, uh, that uh, you know, many of them don't even follow Judaism. So there's, there's, a, there's a big mess there, and that's what needs to be defined. Is, is somebody a Jew because they live in the modern day nation called Israel? Are they a Jew because they follow Judaism? Uh, you know, what does the Bible say? Well, we know what the Bible says. Uh, if a Jew is synonymous with the people of God, he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. He is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. Uh, you know, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. What in the world does that mean? Well, it means that just because you're of some physical nation, or you have some DNA, and certainly if you follow a false religion, does not make you the people of God. You know, Amen. we're the children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are uh, we are the, the blessed in Abraham, Abraham's seed. You know, who is it? It's Jesus Christ. And if we're in Christ, then we are uh, inheritors of those blessings. And so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into it. Um, it. It's hard in one message to preach all the Bible has to say, but you know, this is nothing new. You think about in John the Baptist day, the, there were the people saying, hey, we're the children of Abraham. And John said, hey, God's able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham, uh, Jesus himself. He said, there are going to be folks coming from the east and west. They're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. And the children, the physical children of the kingdom will be cast out. Why? Because they've refused and rejected the cornerstone, who is a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. And uh, there's no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, it's so, so important uh, that we uh, make this really clear from Scripture uh, because there is a, a lot of false information out there. So we need to just really drill down into this and use a lot of Scripture to prove this truth that we as believers of every physical nation, we are the Israel of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. When I was preaching this in my church in Ohio, um, I was preaching through Revelation, which I didn't get past chapter two before I was removed. But in chapter one, you know, I, I instantly they called after the sermon, they called for my removal. But I got to chapter two before the vote and we got to the synagogue of Satan. And I just kind of went through as Pastor DeBreeze had just mentioned, who is Israel? Is it your Jewish DNA? Is it your Judaism? What makes you a Jew? And I had people who did not like my message. They did, they did not like the message, but they came up to me after church, kind of what they had said to you, Pastor DeVries. And they're like, you know, I don't like what you're saying, but I will say that that is very hard to refute. Now, they didn't concede, but they said the post-trib, you know, I, I don't understand, but I what you said about the Jews really does have some weight. And I can maybe see myself seeing that someday. So I had several people tell me that. And I think it's that subject is abundantly clear. But the reason I'm thankful for this conference is we get to have a platform where we can preach um, what the Bible says. And I believe, you know, the Bible's going to speak for itself. Uh, but just like the post-trib pre-wrath view gets misrepresented in, the, in, in churches uh, that don't hold our view, they'll misrepresent it so they can easily tear it down like a straw man argument. Uh, they'll say, they, oh, well, we're not appointed to wrath. If you think we're going to see God's wrath, you know, I can prove you. Well, that's not what we're saying. Um, and it's the same thing with a non-Zionistic view. They'll say things like, well, you hate the Jews and you don't bless them. And you, you, you know, and they're like, wait, 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 we don't hate the Jews. We want missionaries to go to Israel, just like we want missionaries to go to Palestine and Gaza. We want missionaries to go to the whole world. No one is advocating that we hate a certain people group. We're just not putting them on a pedestal above all other people groups. And so right. therefore, if we don't have that pedestal, we hate them. And that is not at all our message. So I, I'm thankful we can clarify this. And Pastor DeVries, I'm telling you, I've enjoyed those sermons you preached that you referenced. Those are excellent sermons, and those are views that we all that are going to be at the conference, that the speakers, we share those views, 
and it's encouraging just to be around each other. Amen. Well, Go ahead, Pastor. Well, like, like, Yep. Well, um, one of the things too, that we've got to keep doing, and I've, this is something I've been pushing lately and I am, I'm hearing crickets in response, but I keep asking the question, what are these modern, what is the modern day Jews connection to Israel, the old Testament? Because the, when people talk about Israel today in, in their mind, it is the Israel of the Bible in, in their mind. It's connected. When they talk about the nation of Israel, there over, you know, the 1948 creation of it, it is the same nation that came out of Egypt, you know, with Moses in their mind. But here's the thing, legally, biblically, what, where is their connection? Because what if I like left this country and then, you know, 1800 years later, my descendants come back and demand we're Americans. Okay. Obviously, that's not how it works in our system, in our nation, uh, to, to be a citizen. So the thing is, what makes so-called descendants of, you know, Israelis from the Bible days, all of a sudden Israelis of modern day? Is it just genetics? Is that how it works in the Bible? Because, um, Pastor Vries, you mentioned how, what a Jew is. Most people don't even fully understand how that works. Um, we see too in the Old Testament, in the book of Esther, how many people became Jews. It meant something to be a part of the nation of Israel. And it, and it wasn't just biology. In fact, that was kind of a small part of it because you could be cut off. Um, it, you, there, you did have to be circumcised. You did have to keep the law. There were certain practices and ceremonial things. And for all those things to be... You had to have a temple. You had to have a Levitical priesthood. Well, God got rid of all of those things. And so just because a group of people who identified as Jews, and maybe they were direct descendants, I'll give it to them. What made that nation a restoration of the Israel of the Old Testament, the one that God sanctioned, the one that God brought out of Egypt, the one that God gave the oracles to, but the one who also God also took those things away from, because God said, the kingdom was going to be taken from you. And I think that's another subject we don't talk a lot about as far as what was that kingdom. And obviously it was a, a physical kingdom with the Levitical priesthood that had a physical temple and a physical city. But Jesus replaced that with a spiritual kingdom with Jesus as the high priest. And now we're all priests uh, as, as believers in Christ. We don't have things of a physical temple. Jesus finished all those things when he poured out his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. So therefore we are all sanctified now. We are all purified now. And any believer can be a fruit bearing branch. And it's our job to take the gospel to the whole world. And so, um, you know, every time we go out soul winning, every time we are operating as a church, we are, we are operating as that kingdom of God that was taken from the Jews and given to another nation. And so to think, and I, I just was arguing with a guy this week about it, who believes that we're going to go back to an old Testament economy who are looking for a temple with sacrifices that God recognizes. Uh, when, when we're teaching stuff like that, I think that's when you're going into some serious heresy. And it, I, I'm amazed that fundamental Baptist are so anxious to hold on to the Zionism that they will go that far to where they will teach things like animal sacrifices uh, in the future and another temple that's uh, one of God. I, I'd completely disagree with that. Oh, absolutely. Christ was the, the final sacrifice. And, you know, even the term, I don't care personally for the term replacement, replacement theology. You know, I think, yes, I said the from you and uh, given to a nation for uh, I think of it did Jesus replace the Passover lamb or was the Passover lamb pointing to Jesus all along you know did Jesus replace Aaron or was Aaron and Melchizedek of course pointing to Jesus all along you know um, 
did the did the physical temple did, did the one in heaven replace the one on earth or was the one on earth just pointing us to the one in heaven all along you know and that's where i say the physical nation of israel um yes they're the people of god but what was the main point of having a physical nation the main point of having a physical nation was that god would send forth his son born of a woman born under the law that he might redeem them that are under the law he had to send his son in the flesh to die on the cross for our sins but that physical nation all along was a picture of god's plan that we are a spiritual nation that you know jesus christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world this is this has always been the plan this hasn't been plan b you know uh jesus didn't come offer the kingdom to israel in fact they tried to make him a king and he he wouldn't let him do it uh, the whole he said i didn't come for that purpose i came for the purpose to die on an old rugged cross to give my life you know he told pilate to this end was i born uh, exactly what we're celebrating at christmas and um it, it simplifies the bible it's just because it is simple that all of these things are fulfilled in the lord jesus christ all of it's pointing ahead to him uh there's no we, we were just reading in psalms again this week uh how that god's not impressed with animal sacrifices those animal sacrifices as hebrews tells us we're pointing ahead to the son of god coming in the flesh in a body the lamb of god who would take away the sin of the world uh all of those things were pointing directly to jesus christ I, i've always wondered that too like with the, the term replacement theology is that the best word to describe it and you know listening to what you're saying there it, it kind of it's almost as if we let the dispensationalists control the narrative and then we create a term to in their in their definitions um no you know the word replacement whereas uh, those who hold the view that we do we don't believe we're plan b as you had mentioned the dispensationalists do they believe that god did come and offer the kingdom and had they received it then it would have just continued on forever but because we believe that it didn't continue on in the way they say that we're now replacing that program with a different program but i like what you brought out it was that that was the the plan all along we don't believe god came to do anything different than what happened and that is to come and offer himself to die on the cross for our sins to satisfy every figure and type that was presented to the jewish people to be fulfilled when jesus christ came so i'm i'm kind of i we were talking about this at our church the other day what term do we use to describe our position without subscribing to the definitions that the dispensationalists will set in the parameters for us to work within because we don't believe in different economies we don't believe that god had plan a and plan b and he's and then of course the dispensational view he's going back to plan a eventually uh, no it was god's eternal plan all along and i think that's easy to prove through scripture and back to what you had said pastor mcmurtry about how we are advancing that same kingdom i agree 100 percent because if we're a completely different entity there's the kingdom of god and then there's the church why are we called priesthood of believers why are we why why are those things why is jesus called our sabbath if we don't observe the sabbath jesus is our sabbath he's our rest there's so many applications that we adhere to as a church without even thinking about it but yet it's the same language that was given to the kingdom of God they would call in the Old Testament that's been done away with. But we have nothing to do. We cannot take any of their promises. We can't take any of their blessings. Yet the very lingo that we would claim as independent fundamental Baptists, by the way, <clears throat> one of the Baptist distinctives is the priesthood of believers. Mm. And a dispensationalist is going to have a hard time proving that without going to First and Second Peter which is not written to us according to them, uh, how else are you going to prove the priesthood of believers? And so it's just interesting. There's a lot of flaws when you start picking it apart. And there's a lot of clarity when you just let the scriptures interpret itself. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, I think um, something I was working on uh, this morning, I'm planning on making just a short video about this. I think a key verse is Hebrews 8, 6. It says, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. And so I think the, the thing 
that is in the, clearly in the Bible is there was an old covenant and there is a new covenant. What is also clear, it was always going to be the new covenant. The old covenant just pointed to the new covenant. The old covenant was made to teach man how sinful he was. It was to teach him about the holiness of God. But at the same time, that old covenant did have a end result, assuming one follows it and obeys it. You know, there was no fault with the covenant itself. The fault was with them, was with the people because they were sinful. And so God used that covenant to teach them that. So when he brought in the new and better covenant, they would understand and they would be able to receive it. But the new covenant was always without a doubt the plan. And so I think one of the things that we've got to make sure we do a good job of articulating and teaching people. And I think where people get mixed up is when people look at old Testament prophecy, they always look at it through old covenant eyes and they, re they ignore the fact that, wait a minute, under the new covenant, there's new and better promises. So I believe all the old prophet, uh, old Testament prophecies will have a fulfillment, but I believe that what we see in those old Testament prophecies, um, it might not look exactly the same because what we're going, what's going to happen is actually going to be better. And so what we have today is we've got people looking for uh, an old covenant or an, uh, an old fulfillment, an inferior fulfillment, just involving the Jews, just involving a single nation, you know, an, an ethnic group. And they're insisting that has to come to pass. And it's like, but why, if God has actually provided something better, why does, why do we have to, and I don't know if you guys would agree with, you know, how I would interpret this or not, but at the same time, why do, why are we looking for an Ezekiel temple where they're going to offer sacrifices forever rather than recognizing actually Jesus provided a new and better way with the temple of his body, with the sacrifice of his body that provided a once and for all atonement for sin. You know, so I, I do, I believe, I think too many times we go to these Old Testament prophecies and we're like, these things have to play out exactly like this. And it's like, no, not if Jesus finished those things. You know, the, the Passover was instituted forever, but at the same time, we see that Jesus is our Passover. Passover. So the Passover will be fulfilled, but through Jesus Christ, not through me eating unleavened bread and sacrificing a lamb. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. To me, to me, you know, it helps when you're viewing the Old Testament, you know, as you had said, but even further would be that when God gave those commands, God didn't give them commands and then leave it open-ended. God gave those commands with the end in sight. Mm -hmm. So even to the temple, you know, uh, the, the laws and the commands that were given, I don't think that you, you would read it to the fact that God didn't know how it was going to end or God didn't let them know how it was going to end. I think they all, like, you know, the, the sacrifices are forever. Well, Jesus is that forever sacrifice. I don't think there's any kind of misleading or, you know, to be continued in the Old Testament at all. I think once you have the New Testament, you can go back and actually read and say, okay, that's what that meant. I thought, well, you know, without the New Testament, I thought it meant the sacrifices are going to go on forever. But now with Hebrews, I understand, oh, Jesus is that once for all sacrifice. Same thing with the, the priesthood of believers. You know, it says that there, there was a change. The priesthood of believers, we've it's been changed. So you go back, and I don't think that I don't think there's any kind of double storyline. I think it's the same storyline. It's just you're reading it with a different lens once you understand its fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Right, and and the key is fulfillment is in Christ. And, and can I just right. you know can I put you guys in the spot and throw something out to you? And if you think I'm out to lunch, that's fine. But this is something that. Uh, I, I, I don't even know. I, I heard a reference to this. I, I, so, I don't even remember where I heard it, but something was said somewhere. I don't even remember where it was, but whatever was said, it took me to this, it, um, to this passage. And I wonder if there's something to it. So in the temple, okay. Uh, in the temple, 
they had the uh, you know the Gihon Springs. It was built around the Gihon Springs. In fact, if you go today, where we in our documentary where we believe the temple was, they have they uh, they call it a blood channel that's carved in this rock that they believe was the altar of Melchizedek. And so they always talk about how there had to be a water source because of all the animal sacrifices and things. And so uh, one of the things that would happen that they would often see coming from the temple whenever they were doing all these sacrifices was blood and water was always coming from the temple because that water that was always flowing through there. And could that be why when they put the spear through Jesus' side, you've got blood and water flowing from him because Jesus Christ, he was that temple. And, and that was like a sign to Israel that just as they were used to seeing the blood and water come from the temple, from the sacrifices that were being made, they literally watched that take place from the body of Christ where blood and water is flowing from. I don't know. It, 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 am I, am I looking too deeply into that? But you think there's something to that, that that was a sign that Jesus Christ is the new temple and sacrifice. I'm, I'm always leery. I, I'm not saying that it couldn't be, but I'm always leery of connecting dots that scripture doesn't connect. To me, that's what the dispensationalists do all the time. They study into Judaism and they come out with this rabbi says this, and that's a type of it. And I, 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 I limit my connections to whatever scripture it connected. Now, could it have been, who knows, you know, obviously you're not going to build new doctrine on that. Um, but I, I always limit it to whatever scripture uh, connected those dots because, you know, you could look at some of the pagan things that Judaism does today, you know, and they're, you know, waving the censor and the smoke is a type of this. And, this, and that's what a lot of your pre-tribbers do today. They idolize this bad religion as if it still has some kind of significant value. They'll look at the Jewish weddings and say, see, this is a type of this. No, it's a, it'd be like doing the same thing to a Catholic church or whatever. But so I, I limit it to scripture, um, but I, I said, that's intriguing. I never, I never thought of that or connected that before. Yeah. I've just I always, agree. yeah, go ahead. Pastor Tim. I was just going to say, you know, I, just agree with what Pastor Boyle said there that is it possible? I guess it is possible, but I, I'd rather um, I want to shout where the Bible shouts. And if it doesn't uh, clearly state that, then I want to be careful about it. You know, an example um, I would give is like the folded napkin in the tomb. You know, there, there's a there's a story about, well, hey, that's because it means he's coming back. Well, yeah, he is coming back. But I, I think the biblical point of that was his body was not stolen. You know, if, if his body were stolen, um, they wouldn't have taken time to fold the napkin. You know, right. Uh, proof that, you know, it is as as we know, he rose from the dead. But so. So, again, could it have been that? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but I know, you know, biblically, he blood and water came out. He gave it all for us. I know that. So, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I agree. Well, one thing, too, because, again, yeah. Obviously, I think part of that image got put in my head because of, you know, what they're showing us over in Israel, which is where a lot of pre-tribbers get mixed up. But I have this is kind of another subject, too. But have you guys noticed, too, almost everyone who does a series on the pre-trib rapture, one of the things they'll do, I've got books that has whole chapters, you know, proving the pre-trib rapture. And one of the things they always use is the Jewish wedding is a thing, yeah. which yes. All their info they get isn't even from the Bible. And then, too, it doesn't even, a lot of these things don't even necessarily prove a pre-trib rapture versus a post-trib rapture. But I do, I find that that frustrating. I do, I think there's things that the Bible mentions that there could be significance to. Maybe we're not recognizing things like that. But yeah, I've always just, you know, kind of been intrigued about the blood and water. I believe it happened for sure. But was there... Is that telling us something specific? I don't know. It was, it was just a thought recently. So I thought I'll put you guys in the spot and throw it at you. If you want to rain on my parade, you know, that's fine. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, So I grew up in a very uh, dispensational church. And I just remember the frustrations of they would literally speak of, you know, like the folded napkin is a great example. Things like that or some wedding custom that the Jews would do. And still do today or some Rosh Hashanah feast that's going to take place in a few months. And and they they look at that and you walk away like, wow, there's so much spiritual application here. 
yet if you were being honest like these are christ rejecting traditions these are not things that god set these are god's telling them not to do these things and they would just you know they'd say things like i went to israel and i met with this rabbi and i asked him this question and he said this and so that's when i kind of in my own study i just limited any biblical or historical connections to that of scripture. If scripture didn't connect the dots, then that folded napkin doesn't mean what they're saying it means. It means he fold the napkin was folded and that shows the it's taking you to the literal tomb, what it looked like when they walked in there. It wasn't some disaster that happened. It was all organized and well and there the body was gone and the cloth was folded, the tomb the stone was rolled back. I just I got there's once you go down that road it's like so many things can can pop up and you got these weird connections that are just not there. Um, and I'm seeing that even, you know, even today, not even among dispensationalists, but like they'll say things like, well, if our body's the temple, it's not a physical temple and the coronavirus, the word crown, and there's the crown in the temple and the Antichrist is going to set himself up. That's the vaccine. And you're like, though, none of that is in scripture. Okay, it, just, it opens up all these weird analogies. And it, it's really how big is your imagination? That's how many connections you can make. Right. Well, and that's why people need to be in church too, because you know, I think it's okay to just sometimes think out loud and talk about yes. stuff like that. But it's mm -hmm. you need to do it in church where you've got people that will say, ah, that's probably stupid. You know, <laughs> but a, a lot of times it, it gets preached in pulpits and then you know, <laughs> preachers won't let it go. And they're going to prove it, you know. So now I, I've got I, I'm, I'm going to be preaching a sermon Sunday proving the blood and water uh, was, you know, a picture of the temple. And I'm going to I'm going to find some Jewish historian that backs up what I'm saying. And and I'm going to tell all my preacher friends if they want to continue being in my group, they've got to preach the same thing. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's like I love the could it be it's like, right, like trying to figure out, is this the Antichrist? Could this, you know, I mm -hmm. but they have to stay in those categories. You right. Know? Could it be that the blood and water? I know that, that's. I thought that was intriguing. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, but they have to stay in the could it be category. Yeah, yeah, a absolutely, absolutely. But well, hey, I appreciate you guys coming on uh, the program talking about this. Uh, you have any final words, Pastor Devries, for uh, the audience? I'm just again very excited about this conference, uh, Pastor Boyle. Thank you for hosting it, uh, Brother Tommy. Thanks for hosting this podcast uh, for the audience. I just I want to invite you to come to that conference. I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And uh, I know based on what I hear from the preaching uh, online that the people preaching love the word of God. And uh, anyone who loves the word of God, I believe, is going to love this conference. And so uh, truth can be tested. Truth isn't afraid of an examination. So come receive the word with all readiness of mind. See if these things are so. Go home and search your scriptures. Search your Bible. I wouldn't want anybody to take any of our word for anything. I want you to take God's word for what you believe. Uh, if you don't have God's word, you don't have anything. So I want to encourage as many folks as can make the trip or can tune in online to do it. And uh, I know it's going to be a blessing for me and for my family. We're looking forward to it. Amen. Are you going to be bringing your family to the conference? I am. We'll be there for two days. Cool. Excellent. Looking looking forward to meeting all of them. So, Pastor Boyle, final words for the audience? Well, thank you again for hosting this. I've enjoyed it. I, I like doing stuff like this. I The technology side, I'm glad you're hosting it because I don't know how to do any of it. I'm just thankful my audio is coming through. Uh, but I'm thankful for this podcast, Pastor DeVries. I'm looking forward to the friendship that will grow through this. It just kind of underscores, you know, the the fact that we don't have any kind of a club. And we don't have, we don't, I didn't send uh, Pastor DeVries, I didn't send you any questionnaires or grill you on what you believe about all these different, we just say, hey, you're like-minded, come, let's come fellowship together. And that's how it will remain. And so any pastors out there, you think, I don't know if they'll invite me. I don't know if they want me to come. Just come, come in and sit through. And at best, just keep your ink pen moving, write some notes, go home and search it out and chalk it up to call us crazy. That's Okay. Um, you know, you have to follow the scriptures where it leads you as the Holy Spirit leads you. But we're confident, you know, that what we teach comes from scripture. We can support it with scripture and that it will be encouragement to you. So come join us for the conference. We would love to see you there.
Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a great conference and I'm excited about it. And and again, yeah, if if you're somebody who maybe too you you don't agree with us, but maybe you're intrigued, maybe you're convinced we're wrong, but you know, you don't need to be afraid to come to this because one thing I'm thankful for with the preachers that are going to be represented here, uh this isn't a group that these aren't people that are just always out there just attacking and insulting and being rude to everybody that disagrees with them on things. Amen. And so you, you don't need to, you don't need to fear that. And you know, you ought to have the confidence to be able to show up. I just went recently to a, uh, pro Israel, uh, service conference at a church and the pastor invited me to it. And I was just like, Hey, you know where I'm at on this, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I know where you're at, but if you want to come and fellowship. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I went and, you know, I, I listened to what they had to say and I, I didn't go there with a critical attitude. I didn't go there causing any problems, but I, I wanted the challenge and you know what? I got a couple things too from that. They're like, okay, this is something I need to make sure I do a better job addressing. And in fact, one of my podcasts that I did, uh, that, uh, I got a lot of really good feedback from it was, um, I forgot what it was called. But it was inspired by that. And I'm like, this is how I need to make sure I present this. This is where we got to show people where they're, where they're going wrong. And it was very helpful uh, to people. Uh, probably one of the, some of the best feedback I got was from that. So if you're right, you know, you coming and listening to us, you know, maybe you'll find out just where you're going wrong and you'll figure out how to protect everyone from, <laughs> from go our doctrine. So, um, Please come. We'd love to see you. Love to have you. So Pastor Boyle and Pastor DeVries, thank you for being on the program. Thank you for your stands. Looking forward to seeing you all in January. So God bless you and God bless everyone watching. We will see you all next time.